What's up, New Life? How are we doing today? Good. Are you excited to be here at church? Come on, somebody. It is going to be a great day. Well, hey, uh, we, are three, we are one church in multiple locations on Kearney, New Life, and uh, North Platte, and Ogallala, as well as hundreds of places online everywhere throughout the world. And so I hope you guys had an amazing 4th of July uh, did you guys get to sleep at a good night? I didn't get to go to sleep till 12 o'clock. Things were blowing up everywhere. But uh, Fourth of July is actually my favorite holiday. Um, I'm not going to share about the time we almost lit my parents' hayfield on fire. We'll avoid that story for another time. Um, but I love the Fourth of July, so I hope you guys had a good Fourth of July. Um, well, if you're wondering who I am, I know Nate kind of mentioned I'm Javen. I get the privilege of being the New Life Youth Pastor here at New Life. And uh, we've been here for about, me and my wife have been here for about five years now. And so we love it here. Uh, we enjoy hanging out with students grades 6 through 12. So if you have students grades 6 through 12 and you're wanting them to grow in their relationship with God and find some good positive community, um, send them our way. We actually start New Life Youth back up this Wednesday night at 7 o'clock right here at New Life. So uh, make sure they get plugged in. So thank you for letting me get my little plug in there. Awesome. Well, hey, uh, let me introduce you to a couple of the most important people in my life. All right, go ahead and throw the picture up. This is me and my wife, Elise, and we actually just added a little addition to the family. This is little Easton Samuel. All right, he was a whopping 5 pounds and 14 ounces. All right, we're talking a little guy, but he's starting to chunk up. Okay, so he's been eating really well. Oh, man. That is a cute kid. I love that guy. He gets it from his mother. So, <laughs> well, hey, um, I'm so excited to uh, get the chance to speak with you guys today. Um, hey, speaking of procreation, Pastor Jeff said I could speak on whatever I want. So, turn to Song of Solomon. I'm totally kidding. We're not going to go there. All right. I don't know if Jeff trusts me that much. But, um, no, there's a phrase uh, that has gone around. I'm sure you guys are familiar, familiar with it. Um, how many of you guys have ever heard the phrase, the goat? Okay, if you, if you don't know, all right, it, the goat, if somebody calls you the goat, all right, that's not bad. Okay, now if they say you look like a goat, now you could probably take some offense to that, right? Um, but goat stands for the greatest of all time, right? Uh, so, I actually have a few slides, and I need your help, all right? Now, I have my own opinions, but I'm kind of curious as to who you guys think is the goat between these pictures, all right? So I'm going to throw them up on the screen, and you got to tell me, all right? You got to yell out who you think is the goat between the two, all right? So you ready? Okay. So first one, Michael Jordan or LeBron James? Let's go. All right. Nobody said LeBron James, right? course not. This is House of God. We know what's up, right? Michael Jordan. Come on, somebody. I mean, if you think about the greatest basketball player of all time, you know it's Michael Jordan's face is going to be right there. We might as well just put his face on the basketballs. Every basketball in the world should have Michael Jordan's face. All right, what about the second one? All right, Star Wars or Star Trek? Star Wars. All right, yep, I agree. Star Wars is definitely better than Star Trek. All right, I do appreciate the earlier movies. All right, has anybody done the Star Wars Marathon on Disney Plus? Anybody all? Okay, if you haven't, if you're, if you're just wasting some time with all the corona stuff going on, spend some time, watch Star Wars. It's great. Okay, next one. Michael Jackson or Prince? Michael Jackson. 
Okay, Tom Osborne. Awesome. Somebody said Tom Osborne. He's always the greatest. Yep. No, if I was going to choose, I'd have to go with my man, Michael Jackson, just because the dance moves. I mean, come on, somebody. That's just good stuff right there. Okay. The Beatles or the Rolling Stones? Beatles. All right. Any Rolling Stones? Just a couple. Okay. All right. Yeah, I got to go with the Beatles on that one. All right. Next one. All right. The brand, Nike or Adidas? I got some, oh, mixed reviews. I'm a Nike person myself. I love Nike. However, Adidas has made a pretty great comeback. Well, hey, growing up in the 90s, all right, talking about Michael Jordan. When you think about Michael Jordan, you think about the greatest basketball player of all time, right? Me and my friends, we had Michael Jordan jerseys, shirts, try to get his shoes. Like, Michael Jordan was the man when it came to basketball, all right? I don't know if you guys uh, have gotten to see the documentary that came out uh, called The Last Dance. It's, uh, it's all about Michael Jordan and his story with the Bulls organization. And uh, in watching one of the first episodes, I was kind of just blown away. I was mesmerized by this because it was like I was reliving Michael Jordan's greatness. And uh, so it was awesome to me. But in, re- in watching that, that episode, um, it was talking about how the Bulls was one of the worst organizations in the NBA. I mean, they weren't going anywhere, uh, and they weren't winning any championships anytime soon. The way they practiced, the way their mentality was, it was just not a championship mentality. It was not a greatest of all time mentality. However, when a young guy by the name of Michael Jordan came into the picture, this guy was so passionate about the game of basketball. He was so passionate about being the greatest of all time. He literally came in and changed the entire organization by the way that he led himself. He changed his teammates' mindset. He had a mindset that was champion caliber. And so when you think about that, it's so incredible to me to look at how one person change the dynamic of a legacy, all right? When you think of the Bulls, you think of greatness. You think of championships. They got six championships because of Michael Jordan. And so maybe, all right, maybe you're not going to be the greatest of all time when it comes to basketball, all right? Although some of you guys look like you might be able to do some 360 dunks. Um, Maybe you won't be the greatest of all time when it comes to basketball. But what about if you were the greatest dad or mom, of all time? What about if you were the greatest coworker or employee of all time? What about the greatest friend of all time? Or what about this one? What about the greatest Christ follower of all time? Come on, now that would be pretty awesome. Um, there's something in us that desires to be great, right? Now, let me, let me put you in this picture, right? Um, how many of you guys, when you started your job, or if you've started a new job, right, you kind of come in all wide-eyed, like, oh, this is going to be better than my last job. It's not going to stink. The people are going to be better, right? And you come in, you're like, I'm going to start at the bottom. I'm going to work my way up to the top. And someday, I'm going to be the CEO. I'm going to climb that ladder, right? And then it's like a couple months into the job, you're just like, man, I'm just here for the benefits. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Woo! I'm just surviving, man. Or maybe you're a student, and it's like the beginning of the year, and it's like, 
this is going to be the greatest year I've had ever, right? No more D's. I'm going for A's, man. Like, this is going to be the greatest GPA I've ever had. And it's like, I'm going to get all my homework done. I'm going to be organized. Everything's going to go really well. And then the second day comes and you forgot to do the assignment from the first day, right? Um, But just like how we were debating on who was the greatest of all time, so were the disciples, right? And there's this passage in Scripture that's taking place, and it's, it's at the Last Supper where Jesus is hanging out with his disciples. And now you have to understand this, that the disciples have been with Jesus for the past two, three years, watching him do ministry, um, growing in their, in their closeness and relationship with Jesus, right? And so they knew Jesus well. And so they took this time, and they were spending it together, and as they're at the Last Supper, Jesus drops this statement uh, in Luke twenty-two twenty-one, and it says this, but here at this table, sitting among us as a friend, is the man who will betray me. Now, if you can imagine the disciples in this moment, right? I mean, you're thinking these guys have been with Jesus again for the last two or three years. They're close with Jesus. They probably got some really good inside jokes or they at least have some fart jokes or something. I don't know. Um, But, you know, they're close. They have a beautiful relationship with Jesus. And then he drops that on them and it's like, well, they start arguing. Well, who would do that? Like, who would even think of doing that to Jesus? Like, we're close. We're like, we're, we're, we're together. Like, we're a squad. And, um, and you can kind of see, because later, uh, as soon as that starts to happen, they begin to argue amongst themselves as to who's the greatest, right? Can you kind of get that where you go from, okay, one of you is going to betray me. Well, then they start fighting, well, I would, no, I wouldn't do that. No, I love Jesus so much. You know, if I put myself in that, uh, in that story right there, um, I'm, I'm just imagining Peter, Jesus, I would never betray you. I'll cut somebody's ear off if I have to. And then Thomas, the doubter, is just standing back over here like, I doubt that, Peter. I'd have to see it to believe it. You know? And so I kind of put myself in that picture, and you kind of think about that. And they're arguing amongst themselves who is the greatest. And, uh, man, just a side note. If you ever have to compare yourself, whenever you compare yourself to what you've done and what you've accomplished to someone else and what they've accomplished, you're never going to be satisfied. You're never going to find greatness in that because, in all honesty, there's always going to be somebody who's better than you. We can, only, uh, we can only take what we've been given and honor God with everything that he's given us. And so, um, so the disciples are arguing. They're fighting amongst themselves who's the greatest. And then Jesus uh, goes on to say this in Luke 25. He says, uh, it says, Jesus told them, in this world, the kings and great men lord it over their people. Yet they are called friends of the people. But among you, it will be different. Those who are the greatest among you should take the lowest rank, and the leader should, take, uh, should be like a servant. Right? And I love this verse because, man, Jesus says this powerful statement. He is, he is taking what the world says is great, and he is flipping it upside down on its head. And Jesus does this a lot. He goes against what culture thinks. And out of that, I get this statement, if you're too big to serve, then you're too small to lead. You see, the way that the world sees greatness is different than the way that God sees greatness. The world sees greatness like this. If you you have worldly greatness, it says, I'm too important. 
I'm too busy for you, you're not worth my time, or you're only important if I can get something out of you that I need. Kingdom greatness says you are important. I'm never too busy for you. You are worth my time. How can I serve you? How can I make you better than you are? How can I help you to grow in this position or in this leadership seat, right? Which one would you want your boss or somebody in leadership to be over you, right? I'm thinking like the the kingdom greatness, right? I want somebody who can believe in me, who can see things in me, who can call and challenge greatness out of me, right? We all want that. We all do. Um, But I want to talk about how we can attain kingdom-minded greatness, right? Because we lean towards one of those two. We'll either lean in our leadership style of the worldly greatness, where we're too important, we're too big, or we'll lean in that servant-hearted leadership that God wants us to have, where we see the best in others, right? So how do we attain kingdom-minded greatness? By imitating Christ's humility. Philippians 2, 3 through 11 says this, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Okay, I've done those things. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out for only your own interests, but take an interest in others too. But I, I want to promote myself. I'm supposed to be the big shot. I'm supposed to be the big leader. Everybody's supposed to look to me for answers. Why would I want to put the spotlight on somebody else? Verse 5. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God. That's huge. And he died a criminal's death. On a cross. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under earth, and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. You can't read that without getting excited. Come on, somebody, right? Man, that's good. Basically what this passage is saying, that if there was somebody who could come and could reign and rule, it was Jesus. And you would think that Jesus would come with an iron fist and be like, hey, I was there. I was there at the beginning of creation. I was there when it all happened. I, I know everything that's going on. You need to worship me. If there's anybody who could have said that, it would have been Jesus. Instead, he came and served. He humbled himself in obedience to God, and he came to serve. If you're too big to serve, then you're too small to lead. Let me explain this passage maybe in a way uh, that, that makes real good sense. How many of you guys have ever seen Undercover Boss? Anybody love that show? I think it's such a great show. I love the whole idea of it because it's like what happens if you've never seen this show is the CEO of an organization Basically, what they do is uh, they go undercover, and they start at the very bottom. And what happens is uh, they're they're basically seeing how everything operates in their uh, organization or their system. And so what happens is they go go under disguise, 
and uh, they have one of their own employees train them in like an entry-level position. Now I'm just thinking like in the background like, oh man, like that person who's chewing out who they think is this new person, they're chewing out their CEO. <laughs> like can you imagine sitting on the other side of the table realizing, oh hey, by the way, this was me. Remember when you chewed me out, right? <laughs> but so what happens is, and what I, here's what I love about this show. They go undercover, they're trained, but really what, the, what they're doing is they give up their title, they give up their authority, they give up their position, and become, they put all that aside, and they go and they understand what it's like to be an employee in their organization, which is exactly what Christ does for us. See, true greatness is not a matter of outward position or recognition, but of inward Christ-like humility. It's seen in those who submit to God's will and serve God and serve others as they imitate Christ's humility. So how do we practice Christ-like humility in our everyday life, right? Um, Here's what I love is when the disciples were arguing amongst themselves as to who's the greatest. You don't see Jesus just wagging his finger saying, you guys, come on. Seriously, we're still fighting about these things. Or what are you trying to do? You're trying to be the greatest, right? He doesn't, he, doesn't like, uh, he doesn't say, no, that's not good. In fact, he encourages them to be great. He encourages the disciples to be great at loving Jesus, at loving uh, God. But what happens is he paints this different picture of what it looks like to be great, right? We all have this idea of what greatness is, but Jesus' idea of greatness is totally different. Jesus encouraged them, encourages them to take a more humble approach. One of the things we need to understand is this, is that God is more concerned with who you are than what you do. God is more concerned with who you are than what you do. Philippians 2, 6-7, it said this, Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave himself up. He gave himself up as divine, his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. Jesus knew what it was like to be human. A person's position, office, leadership, power, influence, academic degree, your fame, your abilities, your wealth, your achievements, or your successes, they don't determine your greatness. Now, a lot of you in this room, you have those, and that's amazing. Or it's something to aspire to, right? But it's all about how you leverage your influence. It's all about what you do with what God's given you. Mm, That's good, somebody. It's all about what you do with what God's given you. See, what if Jesus never um, spoke to the woman at the well Because he's Jesus the Messiah, right? He can't be hanging around sinful people. What if Jesus never did that? What if Jesus never sat with the tax collectors because he was too worried about what others would think of him? What if Jesus never um, showed us what servant leadership was like as he washed the disciples' feet? What if he never did that because it was beneath him? No. Jesus, the Son of God, the Most High King, the Lord of Lords, never placed himself in a position above others. Now listen, he led by serving 
and he loved uh, by serving. He led by serving, and he loved by serving. He washed feet. He fed thousands. He stopped and touched, he stopped and touched a woman to heal her of her sickness. He spent time with those that nobody wanted to spend time with. Jesus showed that loving others and humility go hand in hand. There's a book by Rick Warren uh, called Purpose Driven Life. It's a great book. Um, But he has this quote on humility, which I think is so good. Humility is not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. I'll say that again because it's so good. Humility is not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. Sometimes we think, oh man, I can't be great and be humble. I would say you can't be great without being humble. Do we leverage our influence based on how it affects us or how it affects those around us? We're really good at self-promotion. I mean, think about all the social media posts right now, right? Uh, When you look at somebody's social media posts, right? They're not posting when they wake up out of bed. No, they're posting, you know, after they've done, done themselves up and put all the makeup on and, or they look good, they're all dressed up, right? We post what we want people to see. We don't want people to see, you know, what we really look like. We only want them to see the high moments or the good things that we do, right? So we have to be careful when it comes to self-promotion. If we're not careful, self-promotion can turn into self-worship. In other words, we begin glorifying our works and what we've done instead of what God has given us and what God has done, right? You can have all of the influence, success, and titles, but at the end of the day, every knee will bow and tongue confess that you've accomplished great things? No. That you make this much a year? No. That you have this degree? No, that you have this many followers? No. Every knee will bow and tongue confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. God is more concerned with who you are than what you do. True greatness requires that we become great in the right things, right? Faith, become great in faith. We become great in humility, godly character, wisdom, self-control, patience, and love. Those are what make someone great. So where do we begin today? I would say the first place we need to start is by serving others. Philippians 2, 3 says this. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourself. This one's hard. Serving others is more than keeping up with a to-do list. We get so caught up in the busyness of our schedule. How many times does God say, hey, he puts something on your heart. Hey, I want you to go talk to that person. Hey, go help this person over there. It's like I go into Walmart and I feel like every time God starts saying something to me. But because we can get so caught up in our schedules, we got to take the kids to practice, right? We got to go get groceries, all right? Then we got to run, get gas, then we got to do all these things, got to, you know, we got to keep going. We fill our schedules so full. We can miss out on divine opportunities that God wants to use us to serve others. 
You see, serving others means that we genuinely care about people. It's keeping our eyes, our hearts, and schedules open for those divine appointments. Jesus was not stressed by time, by what others thought of him. But he, he wasn't even worried about his, his, his task that he had to accomplish. He allowed himself to be led by the Holy Spirit. And he followed the prompt, his promptings to serve, to love, and to help others. No task was ever beneath him. And no one was ever unworthy. No task was ever beneath Jesus. And no person was ever unworthy. Philippians 2, 4 says, Don't look out for only your own interests, but take an interest in others too. What would that look like in your home? What would that look like in your work? Talk about trying to put somebody first at work. Woo! Especially when they don't deserve it. That's not easy. What about your community or your church? I think one of the greatest ways that we can grow in greatness and intimacy with our relationship with God is uh, by hopping onto a, a ministry team and allowing God to grow you in serving others. Um, if you don't know where to start, here's a great place you can start today. Located on the left or right of you in your chair is a connection card. If you feel God sensing you to um, serve on a ministry team, all you got to do is write down where you're interested, and then you can drop it in a bucket, uh, in the offering buckets as you leave, and we'll connect with you and follow up, right? Here's what I know. One of our core values here at New Life is that everyone has a gift to share. Being on a ministry team is a huge deal. One of our proven processes here at New Life Church is this, is that we know um, we know that when people get connected to building God's kingdom, that God builds his kingdom in them. I could share about so many times uh, serving in ministry where God has stretched me. One of the things I always tell our New Life Youth students is, if you want to grow in your relationship with God, you have to get comfortable with being uncomfortable. That'll preach. If you just want to coast and you just want to kind of sit on the outskirts, that's fine for a while. But if you really want to press into the things that God has for you, if you really want to find out where you're at, if you really want to grow in what it means to love and serve others, you got to take a step out and you got to serve others. Some of the most influential people that have impacted my life said yes to Jesus. I think about one of my mentors who's been in youth ministry for 30 plus years. I'm not going to say exactly what age he is, um, but He's been in ministry for a while, but he continues to say yes to Jesus. He's still in youth ministry. He's been a mentor and a friend of mine. I can't imagine if he had never said yes. There was a moment where he had to say yes to Jesus and yes to stepping out. What's your yes today? What has Jesus been trying to do in your life that you've been, you know, just kind of putting off? What have you not allowed God to have control of? Right? I'm too busy. Ah, I got too much going on. Ah, man, I don't know if I'm going to be good at that. Listen, what's your yes today? What's God speaking to you? Right? Because there is a world that needs Christ followers to lead as servant leaders, to love 
as those who love others and will serve others and point people to Jesus. I remember it was earlier uh, in, the, in the year, and uh, one of my leaders, uh, she's been on our team for uh, a little over a year, and she just came up to me one night, and she's crying, and I'm like, oh no, Jesus, help me. What am I supposed to say? Give me wisdom, Lord. And um, she comes up, and um, with tears in her eyes, she just says, Pastor Javen, I'm, I'm so thankful that I've joined a ministry team. I'm so thankful that I'm here, and it was just evident of what God was doing in her life. Listen, God wants to impact you as you impact others. God wants to impact you as you impact others. The second place that we can do to imitate Christ-like humility is simply first by serving God. It all begins with submitting yourself to God and asking Jesus to be the Lord and leader of your life. We're going to give you an opportunity in just a few minutes to do so if you haven't already. But that's really where it all starts. If you want to be great in the eyes of your creator, it starts with stepping into a relationship with him and saying, God, I don't have it all figured out. God, I, 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 don't, I don't understand everything there is to understand. But God, I am somebody and I'm willing and I'm able to allow you to use me however you want. That's where it starts with allowing yourself to serve God. What would happen if we lived out what Jesus was talking about? Back up in the verse in Luke, um, it says, Those who are the greatest among you should take the lowest rank, and the leader should, take, or should be like a servant. What would happen? What would change at work? If we lived that way, if we took Jesus' example on greatness, how could it change the way we raise our kids? How would it change the way you live for Jesus? I'm telling you, there is a world that sees greatness as something to achieve, to be great, to be um, this amazing person. But when we look at Jesus who impacted so many lives and is still impacting lives today. We look at the greatest example of leadership of all time. We have to get to a point where we say, Jesus, I want to be like you. I want to lead like you. I want to live like you. The more we grow closer to Christ, the more we find our purpose. Let's pray. Would you stand with me? Lord, we thank you for today. Lord, I pray, God, for every person in this place that is watching online. God, I pray that you would show us areas where we've allowed pride to creep in and to overtake our thoughts of what it looks like to be great. Lord, I pray, God, that you would help us to look to you and the example that you set, Jesus. Help us to love others and serve others well. Jesus, we come before you. We just ask that you would have your way in our lives. We ask that you would prepare our hearts. Lord, whatever it is that um, we need to say yes to, God, I pray that you would give us the strength to say yes. Holy Spirit, would you guide and direct our thoughts as we step into a time of worship? In Jesus' name, amen.